faster, stronger, smarter. Coach Stephanie explores the art and science of ketogenic diets to optimize athletic performance. Welcome to the Keto Endurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. I'm here with Peter Defty with Vespa Power. We're going to talk a little bit about the OFM program and sort of old school nutrition beliefs and OFM nutrition beliefs and how the OFM program can really help you optimize your performance, but optimize your health. And I think Peter would agree with me. The old school nutrition beliefs sometimes helped athletes perform well, but they add a detriment to their health sometimes. So we're going to uh, over that because we want athletes to be healthy and perform well. We like the win-win. Yeah, no, no, we, we, we definitely want the win for everybody here. So Stephanie, welcome uh, or happy to be on the show and uh, looking forward to a great conversation with you. Thank you so much. All right, Peter, I, I just got back from a conference. The speakers uh, on nutrition were definitely in the old school beliefs, which is that you basically have to train yourself to take up more carbohydrates. You have to add carbohydrates all the time to keep your blood sugar level. And you um, have to be very leery of bonking. I know that the OFM program, that's not part of it. You, One of the benefits is that you have stable blood sugar and um, you basically become bonk proof, which is definitely a win. So let's talk a little bit. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about you know, your information on old school uh, nutrition beliefs and why it's hard for those ideas to sort of change well yeah no i can give you some perspective or give the audience some perspective on this and it's, it's really important that people understand that you know these people don't mean there's no evil intent here it's it they're focusing on 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 human performance and and the the body of science until the faster study published really kind of pointed in this direction but um as you know, with the advent of the high carb, low fat diet and, and you, you know, um, demonizing saturated fat and red meat and all that, um, there's been some consequences and athletes don't escape that. And so we need to go back to the original studies on carb loading that were came out of Sweden and they were very good um studies and they kind of established the benchmark for the carbohydrate thing. And and when you go back to it and, and, and the funny thing, the odd thing is, is that these studies aren't, aren't too far off from OFM, but let's, let's kind of dig deep to see why they're not different from OFM strategic carb use. Okay. So when you looked at these studies, they were taking young elite competitive collegiate male athletes. Okay. And they were putting them – actually, this was before the whole high-carb, low-fat, no-red-meat type of dogma set in. And so back then, fat was not eliminated from the diet. Red meat was known to be a great a great source of iron, and athletes ate red meat. Um, and so these were young males that were competitive, so they had high testosterone. That's that's a sign of competitiveness in males. Um and, and, you know, testosterone will will cover up a lot of uh, sins. And plus, as they were young, they were young. These were college age males. They hadn't had that exposure to decades of, of concentrated carbohydrates 
and you know the the the, the long term consequences of that. And and so what they did was they actually did some level of carbohydrate restriction for two or three weeks before they did the carb loading. Okay, so they got their insulin down. These guys were already, you know, fairly insulin sensitive, fairly low insulin, but then they got it really down. And then three days before they loaded it back up. And that's pretty much very similar to OFS. Yes. And in fact, you know, we do have some male competitive age elite male athletes that are doing something very similar where, you know, you they'll smash the carbs. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 400 grams, 500 grams of carbs uh, loads before and it doesn't doesn't phase their fat adaptation. But it gives them that performance boost that the carbs give. But like we say, that performance boost from carbs in the strategic carb environment of OFM is based upon having that foundation of a big aerobic fat burning base. You're not just burning through your glucose the way somebody entirely dependent on their carbohydrate use um, would. You know, as Faster showed, that crossover point shifted into the 75 to 85 percent of their VO2 max, and that combined with their two and a half times more utilization of fat was a game changer. So they weren't burning through their carbohydrates the way that a, a carb burner would. And, and, you know, as you, you know, this is the, the thing everybody's told about hitting the wall. They're told about um, how they have to stock up on glycogen because it's such a limited fuel source. And, and, but, but the problem is, is when you do that, you, the more you do that, the more you raise, saturate your bloodstream with insulin and the less you're able to tap into fat. That's why the whole marathon ritual is, is probably the silliest thing around, but this is, this, it has to do with that disconnect and, and these nutrition quote unquote experts have this disconnect that they don't see that that physiology of carbohydrate loading combined with a high carb, a constant high carb diet will trigger this saturation of insulin in somebody's body bloodstream in probably a somewhat compromised somewhat insulin resistant um modality and so when you're in that situation of saturating your bloodstream with insulin you basically shut off your body's ability to to access the fat so then you're entirely dependent on that glucose and anything you can cram in through so guess what you know at two two and a half hours you're done you're done you're done right. and, and and it's it's like there's such a disconnect from that it's like why can't you just learn to burn that big tank and those 40,000 calories you can access in your in your endogenous body fats and get get your fat cells to release all that free fatty acids and triglycerides into circulation to be used as your aerobic um, fuel thing. But that's that's the problem is there's this disconnect and and help the audience understand since those that those studies came out. Every, and then subsequently, the whole U.S. Gui dietary guidelines that really pushed pushed it into another level of, you know, high carb, low fat, eliminate the red meat because red meat's also full of saturated fats and can, you know, give you a heart attack. It's just it just pushed that into that whole paradigm. And, and so what we have is these people are basing their science. The science to date is based on false paradigm. Right. I mean, it's even been the paradigm of low fat was based on the research done by Ansel Keys that just came out last year. He was paid off to give those results. 
he was actually paid money from the sugar lobby to produce results that demonized fat and promoted carbohydrates as helpful, but that was not based on science at all. Well, it was based on Ansel Key's science, which which he believed in to the point where it it um it it affected his 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 uh, yes yeah, ob- objective ability to judge things and and it's it's confirmational bias and and again we have to go back to the the fact that you know we want to do science and good science but we're humans and and this human condition is really kind of interesting and I do a lot of my as you know I do a lot of time thinking about this aspect of it because of the whole stress prop issues and um what I've come to come to conclude is okay you know what were those evolutionary pressures that shaped us as humans? So we're basically still animals, but we have this sentient human brain that can get us into, tr- right. you know, we can come up with great solutions, but we can get ourselves into trouble. And so the issue at hand here, Stephanie, is it's kind of funny because my wife is a world-class research scientist, and, but she works in plant pathology and soil science. And what I've come to learn from working with, you know, being with her and being with my friend Bruce LaBelle and, and then also working with people like Steve Finney and Jeff Follick is when you have a, a field of science that's not directly related to you, it's a lot easier to make objective calls. But when right. you get to something that's so primarily important to survival as nutrition and food, and it's just so hardwired into us, that's where the judgment, you know, gets gets warped. And, and, and once again, we we have this so, so fixation on food and we're so wanting to be right on our own mind and that fight or flight survival mechanism. It's like I say, Peter's two S's sex and survival. Um, well, that's true. I mean, sex and food, that's, that's if you, se- yeah, survival, because our hormones. Sur- yes. And if yes, sir. those are the two things that everything, every organism, that's right. Uh, every single cell organism, it's that's what's required to survive. Survival, immediate, yeah, immediate, yeah. an amoeba. Yep. Right. Sex, survival and sex is, is a thing. You know, the one is your own, your own survival and the sex is the sex drive is there to kind of keep the line going. The survival does. Yeah, things. exactly. Yeah. So it's Peter's two S's. That's what I call my, my little two S's. And, and it kind of like keeps well. coming back to that. So when you come to this, something like this, you know, and that urge and, 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 and when you look at that, the elegance of, of, of nature, like, like when you look, when you can step back from, the paradigm we're in today where you can go to the grocery store and you're told these are heart healthy. You look at, you look at the natural environment we grew up in most of the time, you know, we have this very elegant mechanism for craving carbs and sweets because when those things were available, that was for a few days of risky food. And we need to store them. That's right. That's exactly it. So it's like, it's like the whole mechanism is totally elegant, totally works in the environment that shaped us over millions of years. But, Right. It backfires on us in today's thing. And so, but that drive and that, that mental focus and that addiction is there. And so I think, um, and, and the fact is these are part of that, part of that physiology is in that quick fix drug type thing. And, and of course that also allows us to, to, to perform well quickly and have a lot of strength quickly on access. So it, it all makes sense in that natural holistic paradigm. But when we try to, isolate it as, as science because science tries to I- isolate a certain thing control of, control the variables right. so we look at one thing and change those variables and that one thing we're looking at and so when we look at the carbohydrates 
you know, it's like, oh, we add a little carbohydrates. Boom. They go faster. But when you see people who are addicted to carbohydrates on a high carb diet, yeah, that you're going to get those results. Um, and then when you look at the whole what's happening now, Stephanie, is because of the rise, the rise of, quote unquote, keto or fat adaptation. And as you know, in the sports sphere, I've, I've kind of got a pretty significant um, responsibility in the rise of the, the fat adapted sports right. movement, which has also become a keto thing. Um, right now, people are afraid to add in the carbs. Right. Because I was talking to a guy, he was a sport, uh, a sports physiologist. He can't. He gave a talk on sports physiology. He was saying, "Well, you know, I've done keto, but you know, it's hurting my performance, so I'm adding back the carbs." And I'm like, "Well, you're totally supposed to do that. You should be able to do. You know, you. The perfect uh, scenario is you add the carbs when you're going to burn them, and then you." You take them away to keep the body sensitive to them. And he's like, well, that's not what the science showed. And then I was like, I wanted to say, well, Peter's ahead of the science because that's what uh, Stephen Finney says is that you're ahead of the, the science. But it's it's frustrating because I maybe it's because my degrees in the anthropology and I've done so much work with the Weston A. Price Foundation that it's easy for my head to see how that all works. But it's not easy for other people who have been entrenched in other paradigms, how those things. Well, work. yeah. And, you know, you had that combined with your your own journey and, you know, like the whole fat adaptation thing. You know, you went through various iterations till we met. And then when we met, we started working right. together and we started to parse out all the different little factors to get that one thing for you that, that you know, your individualized OFM journey so that you could get the performance, health benefits work and that's right. it takes a lot of tinkering it's a you have yeah, to tinker it for you that's right i mean so back to what we see so science is controlling the variable so with the rise of the keto you know they're showing all these things about the benefits of keto and carbohydrate restriction but then when you move into that area that what? area of fungibility between keto and high carb you know, we're messing with a variable. A lot of these scientists don't want to go because, once again, because they have their confirmational bias. You know, you have all these right. sports nutritionists like Louise Burke and um, Nancy Clark, uh, et cetera, who are just, you know, want you telling you you have to smash the carbs to perform, which that you need carbs to perform. And then you have all the key that are just like, you know, scared shitless of sugar. You know, excuse me to say it that way, but that's, you know, they're there. And, and, you know, they believe in keto so much that they're, they're going the other way. And, and, you know, when you look at the natural system, it's like, yeah, we were pretty fat adapted. We use that as the foundation of our existence. Right. But we also had those, like I said, three to five times a year, we had concentrate farms of carbohydrates, you know, when fruit was ripe or berries are ripe or tubers are ripe or we found honey. Or they found honey. Right, right. So, you know, and we had that. And, you know, one of the first Things in the Greek Olympic Games in ancient Greece was honey. That was a performance-enhancing device. Um, and so you look at that that paradigm, and and all of a sudden you're 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 wandering into a no man's land because of that confirmational bias of the people who are just so committed to keto and and no sugar. Because they had good results on it. Right. I gave a talk, keto endurance, just information. I said, you know, carbs are great. Carbs can make us sick, but this lady had, you know, followed a low-carb diet and had good results, but carbs make us faster. And she goes, carbs make you faster, but she's not an athlete. So I was like, yes, 
they definitely make you faster. It's just that it's all about the timing. That's right. And it's all about the how you manage them that you get the you get basically you get your cake and you eat it too. You get to get be faster and you get the health benefits because you're timing the carbohydrates where you're going the boss going to perform optimally. Uh, and I, yeah, you get that little boost because you know a little bit of you know carbohydrate in, in intake like before and during your event, you know, when you're pushing into that higher level and starting to tap into that aerobic threshold and anaerobic, you know, you're and you're putting stress, physiological stress on your body, you, you know, you're going to want to have a little bit of sugar there. And if, if the if the body doesn't have it available, it goes looking for it and it has higher. And then, you know, all of a sudden putting itself on uh, the governor's kicking in and, and keeping you set at a lower level and then you start to see some adrenal fatigue if you keep trying to push and then you know that's where problems occur with people who are trying to do deep keto and then push themselves in high intensity can't particularly with women because the, the hormonal balance is so delicate and so then you see you know we see people who have you know they push themselves to failure with with too many carbohydrates in the diet well you, you're starting to see people with adrenal stress in the keto so movement, both extremes, it's both extremes, right. and and you know the middle is is a much more bunch of nuanced gray areas that doesn't quite fit the the quote oh. unquote science. There's a scientific basis, well, but there's but the the science hasn't developed. I think that something talking about um, your two S is sex and survival, although I call it sex and food. So you're you're a woman. You're a woman. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like the, like I say, uh, women think about food the may, may, way men think about sex, and I, I actually told that yeah. to a friend, and she said, "You think about sex that much?" <laughs> a female friend, and she's like, <laughs> "I know, especially if people know you, yeah. they know that." Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But uh, but the oh, come on, um, come on. But, oh, so, just a health, I'm so, a healthy male. You are, you're a healthy guy. Yep. So, but I think that that's the thing that people that's your light bulb. Are you? Are you in the right zone or are you training right? You should have a strong sex drive. If your sex drive is diminishing, then there's something wrong with your either your exercise or your nutrition. Or When you think about a single cell organism, to keep the species alive, it has to be reproducing. And if, a, if an organism is not primed to reproduce, then there's something wrong with that scenario. Yeah. So they were talking about the girls who do nutrition's off because they have them on this high carb, low fat, no fat diet, and they lose their period. I was like, well, that a, an 18 year old girl should have a normal cycle. You need fats to have the precursors you know, yep. of your hormones and have a period. That's a sign that there's something really wrong with that organism because it doesn't. It's lost the ability to reproduce. Yeah, no, and like like I've coached some Olympic level elite athletes or some you know really elite female athletes, and I'm okay with them losing their period temporarily in their peak volume of training. Or racing, but they better get it back within a few months of, say, their goal race in terms of endurance, because evolutionarily, you know, women didn't cycle all the time. I mean, right? right. Well, that's and I agree. True, I agree. Because they but were pregnant or nursing, right? Yeah. Or, or when times were scarce, they, were, you know, their bodies stopped cycling, so they wouldn't get pregnant and they could survive, not have sex. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, when you look at the the volume of training, say, with a, an elite Olympic. Uh, uh, 
pentathlete or something, you know, at that peak volume of training, you know, they're going to be, you know, it's not unusual for them to lose their sight. But for most of us out here that we're talking to the audience, you should have a normal cycle. Um, you should, you know, like, like men should have a very healthy interest in sex and women, it, it probably cycles with their cycle. But, right. and, and a lot of women, but you should at least a couple times a month feel like, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that's, that's, you're exactly right there because I, I think a lot of women are overstressed today in today's world. So when they have that extra outside stress, they lose that interest. That's the first thing to go like in a woman. Right. But that's also a sign that the organism, you that's, know, there's something wrong. That's with exactly the right. And that means, you know, usually I've, I, what I've come to find is it's, it's not their training. It's usually some lifestyle issue and they need to address and, and work on the psyche of, of developing strategies to where they address stress in a much healthier way. Um, chronic stress is, is just one of those things that just bite, but you're, you're right. Those going back to the two S's, you need to, uh, we we make sure that's one of the things we really look at is okay do you have a libido and if not why not because that's gonna that's really gonna be telling in terms of your health and athletic performance you're you're absolutely right. backtrack and say like you know you look at like what's the training looking like what's the stress look like what's the nutrition look like are they sleeping so if uh, I think the first step is do you have a strong libido I mean even for women they should feel compelled at least a couple times a month to yeah. that they have a strong libido. And if you don't, and for men too, backtrack what's going on. Like what's the, the situation that you don't. That's, that's exactly right. So, you know, um, I think there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of well-intended but misguided advice out there. And, and I've had some struggles with this and I've actually pissed a few people off by, you know, you, me, you piss people off, yeah. Peter. You're, you're joking. No, me? Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> the village idiot here. Um, because, you know, I've I've said, I've, I've just openly said this is, you know, it's well intended, but it's misguided advice. And it's going to send some athletes down the wrong path, particularly female right. athletes. And, and I think that we, we really want to discuss some of this today because, you know, there's a, this lot of like you're saying, you know, you come back from this conference and, and they're citing all these athletes to say, oh, you need all these carbohydrates. And then you hear like, oh, during mid-luteal, women should have more carbohydrates. And and look, I get that. I get what they're saying, but they're saying it from that. What what, I, what once again, I say is that debauch paradigm. If you're carbohydrate dependent and then during your mid-luteal phase, you're craving carbs and you should, and you know, they're telling you you should have them. Um yeah, you have them because you're burning through your sugar so quickly. You need more carbs, but it doesn't mean you're you're optimally healthy. And you know no. you're 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 not you're you're just one of several women who I've worked with who've got fat adapted that tell me that if you know when they're in their mid luteal phase, if they can keep themselves from those cravings, those cravings are there. Once again, sex and survival. Um, we have a natural um, drive to eat food that that gets us off our duff to go hunt gather and and get food right but during that middle luteal phase when when a woman will be a little bit more sensitive and 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 craving the carbs and the chocolate etc if they can stay away from it they feel so much better well i can tell you from my own point of view whenever i'm dialed in which i'm not always dialed in but so when i'm dialed in i don't have cravings yep. i don't have any negative 
I don't have cramps. I don't have craving. I don't have any negative side effects of, you know, my menstrual cycle. I don't get cranky. Right, 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 right. No, and that's that's how it's supposed to be. And, and, and you know, you're saying this and some women are, are probably thinking in disbelief. How can that be? But if you've experienced it, you can't imagine it can be that good. Right. But then if I, like, get off track, which happens periodically, I... I do notice a change and my mood is not stable. And, and some of that's just blood sugar regulation, not having a stable mood. But so it's like, um, I think that it's, like, those are all signs that that's not a natural response is to have ridiculous cravings and horrible cramping where you're doubled over. Like that's a, there's some, something you can do about that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I had a, I did a podcast interview with Wendy Sullins, and she does a lot of work with women, and she was like the same thing. It's like, like, there should be no issues at mid-luteal. I mean, it should be something you go through, but it's, it, you shouldn't be, like you say, doubled over, cranky, emotional, you know, you might be a little bit off, but it's in control, and you're not like this, this different person. Right. I remember, you know, when I was really messed up, like my hormones were all over the place that I would cry if I heard a sad song on the radio. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, and I'm not like that now. So it's uh, I think that that's sort of if you're crying at songs on the radio whenever you have um, PMS, then there's you got to there's you maybe you need to change up your diet well well diet but also look at some other and other things i mean there's always other stressors yeah right. other stressors and and look at you know in, in terms of your diet and exercise what you might what you micronutrient right. you might be missing um it's it's so multivariate right. that, that that you know you, you you might be looking at some xenotoxins that you might have in your environment but but i guess the point we're we're trying to drive home here today is a lot of these people are saying yeah, you need these carbs during this time of the month or you need carbs to perform. And it's a little, you know, they're coming from a perspective of a, a carb addicted paradigm because we have, right. because once again, what they're getting is human glucose control is amounts to one teaspoon of fasting blood sugar. That's what's in secret. And that's right. ideal. I, and it's that right. simple. You go back to that. Nobody disputes this. And that's eight grams. So for people, if you look at a, um, I don't know, you look at a label of something, anything over than eight grams of carbohydrates, you're going to have an insulin response. And that's going to put sugar to your glycogen stores. And if those are full, it's going to put them to fat stores. That's right. And if you got way too much, it's going to glycate. And that's even worse and scarier. So, you know, that's where people's hemoglobin A1Cs go up. And if you want to scare yourself, look up glycation or AGEs. And, and that acronym is not by accident because you do age faster when you have a lot of glycated proteins. Right. Oh, yeah. At the conference, I was talking to a girl and she was telling me how things were about um, low fat or no fat in the 80s. And I said, well, it was like that when I was growing up. And she was like, well, I'm 50. I'm like, well, I'm 48. So... You know, I'm only two years younger than you. I just look about 15 years younger than you. She couldn't believe that I was her age. or So it's if you're fat adapted, it, it makes Well, it's like you, you and I Naomi mean, called it a reverse aging diet. Yes, it is. And, you know, younger, you know, people think that you're their age. And uh, I'm not, which is good. I mean, if people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on 
creams and lotions and crap for their face. You know, if you just can dial in your nutrition, manage your stress too. And, and exercise, uh, so you're sweating and opening up those skin pores and everything. Yeah. Right. No. So, you know, this is the, there's, there's really, um, a polarization and we have to talk about the politics, the food politics of this, because there's this polarization between the high car camp and the keto camp. Now the keto's, you know, gaining traction and, and, and both are, you know, bringing their, their, the, you know, sound level of their voices to this kind of ear crushing volume because they're both trying to, you know, promote it. And, and, and there's merits to both, but, you know, you know, you're not, they're not, kind of looking at the 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 in between and the the nuances and the individualization and and that's that's because that's not science when you start messing with all the variables there really isn't a whole lot of science for it and i think the take home is this is about you and in, in finding your individual th- thing but you want to do that on a on a fat based uh physiology right the base is fat so it's like you start tweaking from the fat base as opposed to tweaking from the food pyramid. Yeah, the conventional food pyramid. We, you know, we use the OFM pyramid. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. It's right, like get, right. getting getting yourself like like the way we do OFM is is the first step is to get yourself into that physiological fat adapted thing where your body going to want to burn fat for fuel, and you know that's where the power of exercise really leverages it. And as you said earlier, Steph. You know, the more what makes this more so doable for people is the more you're exercising, especially in that aerobic zone and pushing your aerobic zone up, expanding it, um, the bigger for most people, the bigger that that window of carbohydrate tolerance gets. Um, right. You know, but but you I think that even though your window gets bigger, you still need to spend some time at the other end to keep yourself. Sensitive. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing we do is like like. The bigger, so the more active you are, the bigger that window of tolerance gets. But, but at the same time, you want to cycle your carbs in and out. So yes, you know, when you're in a recovery phase, a few days of recovery, you want to just drop those carbs really low, and that's and that keeps you reset. Hey Peter, I have a question before I'm. I know you have. No, to no, go, we, got, we got, we got, we got. So the um, at the t- there was a quote on the thing that says fat burns in a carbohydrate fin flame which i thought that's a little wackadoodle but um it's because of the process of pyruvate mm-hmm. and uh and so can you comment a little bit about that 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 tells people like what does that mean and how does that play in you don't have to have carbohydrates to burn fat so the the what the speaker was saying like you needed to have carbohydrates to burn fat, but you know we're you know if you think about evolutionary perspective, when you were out of food, you your body tapped into that fat store. Yeah, and, and when you you know evolutionary speaking, the only time you were really really burning a lot of glucose is during those times when when those carbohydrates were really plentiful and you just over oh, overindulged on but you know there there's it's like a lot of things there's a seed of truth in that statement but right. it's much more complicated than exogenous carbohydrates it's like when you're fat adapted your body will make that flame that little flame of glucose through gluconeogenesis right and it pretty the more it does the more it 
practices gluconeogenesis, the better it That's correct. And, and so, so when you're in that fat adapt, I don't like to call it ketosis because ketosis or keto, because yes, your body's making ketones. It's also making glucose to meet the metabolic need, both from fat in your stored in your liver and from triglycerides and fatty acids released from, from adipose tissue. But at the same time, the heavy lifting of fat adaptation is through a process called beta oxidation. We are breaking down fatty, fatty acids through in the, in the citric acid cycle. And yes, there is some truth that you need a little bit of glucose, but your body will, in a fat adapted person, you make ketones and glucose. When you're making ketones, you can also make glucose to meet that metabolic need. Right. And, and so. And it also fuels the brain. That's correct. Too, and, which that's, that, that's a big misconception is that you have to have 150 grams of carbohydrates to fuel the brain. With the body. Yes, and that, the, the misconception, again, it's based on that false paradigm. You need that 150 grams or that 600 calories because, guess what? Your body can't make it. And so you're addicted to those carbs, and so because you're not, you're not producing any glucose hepatically and you're not producing ketones hepatically, you need that exogenous glucose to fuel the brain. And so... They're, they're correct based on this paradigm of carbohydrates because they don't do it. The, the alternative. Um, right. Someone who's addicted to carbohydrates and does their body has not gone through the process of being fat adapted. Yep. Can't. They, do that. Yeah. But yeah. Because the insulin, you know, essentially it's the insulin, but there's glucagon signaling and all that, that it's very complex, but, but that basically is turned off because the body's trying to deal with all this excess glucose. Basically, what happens is when you're getting more carbohydrate on a chronically long basis than you can handle, you know, like I said, periodically it's okay. But if you're getting it more than you can handle on a long-term basis, you've got so much insulin in your bloodstream that you can't make ketones, you can't make glucose, you know, you store fat, you keep storing fat, you keep converting carbohydrate excess carbohydrate into fat you you know if you're if you're an athlete you'll cycle your glycogen and that helps a lot but it doesn't make you escape from that so that paradigm of needing that 150 grams is valid in that in that paradigm that these, in that paradigm. In the paradigm that these people we, are living right. in but 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 we're trying to offer this other paradigm that actually fits much better in terms of the, the, the pressures that shape us. This is how we're made to bend, but it's like like the environment. We're so cocooned in this modern environment and this modern high carb diet that we don't realize. Oh, we didn't. We only lived this way, you know, in the last couple hundred years. Literally, literally you know, that's that's the problem these people have. And I, I remember like Steve Finney um, told me once in a meeting he had with Lauren Cordain, you know, the the father, the quote unquote father of the paleo diet. Lauren was was educated in a conventional dietitian approach, and it was he just he had a hard time understanding the whole idea that you could make glucose and ketones to supply your brain. Thing. He was like like you're saying, he's he was stuck in that 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 conventional paradigm that you need so much carbohydrates. And that's why the paleo diet that came out was avoiding fats. It was lean feeds, and you have all the fruits and vegetables. You could, you know, they were like very pro fruit, which is not something you had, and and so it had more sugar in it right. than you needed. And, right, and the fruit today is not like the fruit 200 years ago or 500 years ago. It's, I mean, if you anybody's ever had a crab apple, 
you know it's like about you know the size of your you know tiny and very tart yep, yep. that's that's what apples were like they weren't like the you know, honey crisp apple that drips sugar when you take a bite. Right, right. And but even then, even fruit that was sweet, you know, you just gobbled it up and and that was it. But we didn't, you know, people don't realize that because we're in this environment. I mean, how many of us live in a primitive environment like we shaped? I'm, I'm, you know, my friends all call me primitive and paleo, and you know, they say I'm a I'm a caveman because you know when I'm out, I'm I'm sort of out there, right? Uh, I'm running. But we don't, I don't really live that way, but I, but because yeah. I've, I've, you yeah. know, grew up hunting and doing that, I know what that's like. It's like, this is how, this is the environment we really existed in for most of our existence as humans. The environment that we've all been living in in the last 50 years, like with within the realm of everybody who's alive today and talking about this is, you know, we've basically been, been, altered that environment to a, a debauch paradigm. And so, right. you know, unfortunately for a lot of complex reasons, this has kind of come off the rails in terms of, you know, what we're, what, what we are meant to eat based on that little thing called evolution or even intelligent design. Um, doesn't matter where you're on the spectrum. It, it makes sense. Okay. Um, right. And where we are today. So, yeah. That's good. Well, hope this pod, the show helps some people get an idea of you know a starting point and and where to start tweaking from it instead of making them more confused. Yeah, and I think the take homes here is that you know if you're a 20 year old African and you're eating ugali and it works and you can run a two hour and change marathon or, you know, they're shooting for a sub two hour marathon, which I think I can help them with, but you know, what do I know? Right. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing, but, but then, you know, Nan people like Nancy Clark and Louise Burke tout that as something for everybody else. I mean, you know, that 20 year old African who's five foot two or three male and weighs, you know, a buck and a quarter, um, that's very different from the rest of us and the environment and the genetics and everything we're in. And, 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 you know, like I, I see like the race at that level at the marathon, they're not the healthiest people out there. Um, you, you know, you have to have a, a, a certain level of, of sacrifice to get to that level of, of speed. And, and, and so, but they tout those as that's examples of how you need carbohydrates to perform or, you know, a lot of other athletes in different sports. And, and I'm not saying you don't need some carbohydrates, but, but I don't, I, I really don't think that they need the massive amounts that they're feeding them. Well, if you go to any marathon, you know, you go to a competitor group marathon, like the rock and roll marathon here. I've run a couple times here in the half, a couple times, half the field's overweight. Yep. And, you know, uh, and they've been following the advice. If you train for a marathon, You've put in some time. You don't go. You don't start at the starting line of a marathon and like phone it in. You've actually put in some miles and put in some time. And if those people are overweight, their nutrition is not matching their efforts. And, and even if they're efforts. not overweight, there's a lot of people out there who are running, who are doing high carb, low fat, and they're skinny fat. 
Yeah, well, that's true. They don't have you a know, lot you, of muscle you can mass, tell, and they have fat around their organs. Yeah, yeah and, and they have a little and... bit of a tummy tummy going. You know, they're skinny as heck. They're 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 very pallid in their skin tone, and they got a little paunch going. And you know, that's that's the skinny fat. And so, you know, it, it's all works differently for different people for a different reason. But you know, the take home here is the reason we carry a lot of fat is that's what we're meant to burn aerobically, and you know, as and the reason we carry glycogen is that's a very limited um, fuel source for fight or flight. And, and it's a very robust for fight or flight doing, but we're using it now for our base energy, you know, and that's not, that's not the thing. So we got to get, you know, the take home is to get people back to that fat burning established thing and then build a solid um performance you want a good strong engine that has nitrous. right and you use it and, and, <laughs> and, and if you go to the vespa site you know the way i look at it the way i've context is, is i look at concentrated forms of carbohydrates not not non-starchy vegetables but concentrated forms of carbohydrates like your starches your grains your fruits that are concentrated i look at those as a legal ped Okay, because they right. performance enhancing right. drugs. They meet, right, because they meet because they meet every criteria for a performance enhancing drug. I mean, do they work? Yes. Are they addictive? Yes. Are there long term consequences from overuse and abuse of them? Yes. Yeah. And and so I think if we look at it as a le- legal performance enhancing drug, then that paradigm makes a whole lot more sense. I mean, you know, your non starchy vegetables, those are like free. That's free. Don't worry about them. But, you know, you really want to be careful about those concentrated carbs and you use them when you need them. Don't be afraid of them. But just know that, like you say, that's the nitrous. Right. You And if you use nitrous on your engine all the time, it would not yeah. be that your engine would blow. It would break. You know, you sure you sugar all the time. Things break like heart disease, diabetes or even insulin insulin resistance but you know there's a lot of athletes out there who feel like they need to eat every couple hours and that's a uh, hypo uh that's uh hypoglycemia hypoglycemia i'm like i was gonna say hyponitremia i'm like no that's water yeah. so it's hypoglycemia and you shouldn't have if you're hypoglycemic that's a bad thing that means your body's already becoming resistant yeah and that's one of the things carbon. we 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 work on with OFM one of the first things we try to do is get people off the snacking habit because you're yeah. exactly right if you have to eat every 2 or 3 hours like well I guess I got to eat now type of feeling you're metabolically compromised and right. it's just a question of how much and then how is it going to manifest itself in something much worse than just having to eat every two or three hours, you know? Right. So, and, and those are things like you know, all kinds of different diseases, yeah. cancer, heart disease, metabolic, uh, various diabetes. metabolic syndrome things. I mean, you know, right. high, thyroid issues, um, gut issues. Yep. yep. So Okay. Yeah, stomach and gut usually is very common in endurance athletes, but, you know, it, it runs a gamut. So, yeah, now, anything else we can leave for? Our, I mean, it's it, I, I know what you're saying is we have to have these kind of conversations and hopefully people are listening to them during their workouts because, you know, that message from the quote unquote experts who are following the science. And, you know, as we said, the science is based on a debacked paradigm. Um, you know, that's that's a wrong message for most people out there. I hope it helps somebody. If if it helps you, please leave us a note. If it doesn't, you know, leave us a note. 
you can um, go to my Facebook page, Stephanie Holbrook Fitness, or you can leave a note at Podbean or on iTunes. That sure. And if you if you if you want to hear us talk about other subjects or stuff or how to, we can focus on them and do shorter podcasts. But I'm I'm more than happy, Steph, to to work with you on trying to get the audience the kind of information they're looking for because I think I, I think oh, yeah. people. You know, as we finish this, people are smarter than they've given themselves credit for. And, you know, it's like I say about OFM, I don't want to be a guru. I want to be a guide. I want to teach people to think for themselves, to, to tailor their fat burning journey for them, just like, you know, I did for you and get them on their way, you know, and and, and not, yeah. not, and and not be a them. lemming going off that cliff. Right. We. I mean, I think both of us would agree we're all for health. I, I'm for health first, health first performance. We want you to have both. Yeah, no, yeah, we want we both. I like want here. sex and survival. What, what, what kind of look is that, Peter? Like, wait a minute. I think, <laughs> so we want you to have, yeah, sex and survival, the two S's. We want you to perform well and perform well, which. Uh, oh, you keep talking. So you keep talking. Like, like we're, we're going on, we're going on 50 minutes and at $2 a minute, I'm going to be broke here. <laughs> <laughs> You keep but talking to me that way, Steph. <laughs> oh. No, we want people to be healthy, both um, to perform in your race results and, and life. Right. Oh, in all aspects of life. Got, Seriously, you, sincerely. Right, I've got you going now. <laughs> I know. Horrible. You're horrible. I know. I know. I know. Six dig me. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Well, I hope the information is helpful. Leave a comment. Get in touch with us. And, and most and of all, have fun with it. Like we're yes, having fun definitely with it. Have, yes, yeah, we have too much. Well, that's what uh, the whole program helps with your sense of humor, too, because you feel good enough, you can joke. Yep. All right.